0: You are listening to The Breakup Evolution, a collection of real-life vignettes of how people move on from heartbreak because matter-of-factly, breakups suck. They leave us flat on the floor, crying insufferably, and in my case, taking a same-day flight out of Chicago to never return. Each episode is a tale of one stranger sharing their breakup story, but more importantly, how they moved on and evolved from the relationship. This is about the aftermath. How we pick ourselves up after the end of being so close to someone for so long. And we are going through a breakup evolution remix, or I guess, an evolution in itself. Because it's not just romantic breakups that cause us to shape-shift our identity. It can be a relationship to a friend, or in one case, an ex-NFL player who broke up with football.
1: A lot of us don't want to let go of something, something that we know in our lives, just because the other, what the unknown seems so much scarier. And I think that's definitely what it was. It was like, well, there are good parts about this relationship, and I'm not alone. So I'd rather continue being in this place because um, it's giving me a sense of worth than to go out and and be on my own. Um, but actually, being on my own was amazing. <laughs> Is amazing. Meet
0: Jenny. Hi, Sarah. In full disclosure, Jenny and I actually know each other. We met many, many years ago, lived together, and over a decade later, I begged her to come and share her story. Jenny is such a shining example of what it is to be a badass. When we were living together in Portland, she would often take me to the climbing gym and it'd always be so cool to see her scale up the wall especially at an activity that leans more heavily male. And also, Jenny completely changed careers and learned how to code, which is another super daunting, super brave thing to do. I could go on about the many pursuits Jenny has taken all over the world, but I'll let her share her story of the big breakup and how it set her up for the path she is on today.
1: My name is Jenny Romancic and I live in Portland, Oregon, and I currently teach workshops on developing emotional intelligence and tools and lots of different things to help with that. And it's called the EQ School.
0: And Jenny, how did we meet?
1: I think we met, oh, I can't, I'm not going to, I don't know the year, maybe 2010 or 11. It was around then, maybe January. All right, yeah. so we met in around 2010, 2011 as roommates, and we met on Craigslist. And I think mm-hmm. I interviewed you, or at least,
0: or did we all interview you together? I think you all interviewed me, but you wrote the ad, and I was like, yeah. I especially want to be friends with her.
1: <laughs> and I felt the same. We were instantly like, yep, this is great. <laughs> and here we are, friends, a decade later.
0: Okay. Can you take us back to that first moment when you met your ex-boyfriend? Where were you and what were you doing at that point in your life?
1: So I was living in Portland and I was working. So I was in grad school at PSU. Um, I was studying literature, literature and I was working for the international department. And so I was doing like tours and orientations for international students that came in. And so I actually had been primarily working with the Japanese and Korean students, which I really loved, and especially in the summer when they were like high schoolers who were like, you know, getting a taste of freedom, and they were really funny and cute, and I loved those groups, and then I got put on um, the German Fulbright group, <laughs> and I was like, mm. <laughs> the Germans are so demanding, because <laughs> um, they had a reputation in the department for being a little bit more high strung, and it, so it was funny that I was like, oh. And we had to spend, and now I can't actually I can't even remember. I think it might have been like a couple weeks with that group because they we did an orientation. We actually took them camping for a weekend. It was like a whole thing, like welcome to Oregon. And then we also helped them find housing at their respective universities. So they all started in Portland and then went off to different places. And so I met him. I remember picking them up on the bus and being like, "Oh, like with a bus at the airport and being like, "Well, there's a lot of cute ones." But I thought he was cute. <laughs> but I don't think anything he was also very standoffish. Um, the biggest, so this was back in 2010. So the biggest thing that I remember is that like a bunch of the German students like went camping at Crater Lake and I went with them and that was fun. Um, that was outside of the orientation. And I also remember having like a game night or something at our house and I invited him and he came. And I don't know if you remember, but we had like a, a toilet that was sitting in the laundry room downstairs that wasn't connected to anything. And he was like, Oh, where's the bathroom? And we're like, Oh, there's one downstairs. And he bypassed the bathroom and went into the laundry room and peed in that toilet and then came upstairs and was like, I think I did something wrong. I don't feel like he was as mortified. He laughed. He was. It was like an embarrassed laugh. But I also remember being like, I don't know if I would go upstairs <laughs> to people if I a room full of people that I did that. But he did. Um, but yeah, that's one of my first memories of him. These were in like the early days of texting. Um, I don't think I had T9, but I really didn't like it. But we were calling because he w- he moved to Corvallis, which is like an hour and a half south of Portland. Um, so yeah, I guess we just kind of like, it was fairly quick that we were just hanging out every weekend or every other weekend. So I think he came up to Portland a bunch in the beginning. Um, and I know we took a trip up to Vancouver, BC with another roommate, Allie, uh, for New Year's that year. Um, and i would say jenny 35 year old jenny with more wisdom than like 22 23 year old jenny um, that it was like from the get go our personalities were so different that now if i were to start dating someone like that i would realize that much sooner but there was a lot of things that were really fun and we laughed together and the sexual chemistry was wonderful and so there were a lot of like And he was really adventurous and outdoorsy and like I got into climbing and things after dating him. So there were a lot of like really fun things that we did, but now I'm like, there was always a piece of like, I didn't quite feel like I was getting emotionally what I wanted from him. And that was, that was the thread throughout the entire relationship. Um, And part of that I think stems from my own insecurity and some of my own like attachment stuff. Um, And Part of that, I think, is just us being different people and how we how we communicate and show up in a relationship. And so there was definitely some a couple fights very in the very beginning. Um, but it was and so it was kind of up and down. It was like we got along really well, and then we would really not understand where each other were coming from about certain things. So there was a lot of that in our relationship. And trying to think of like, ugh, I can't even remember our timeline exactly because it was something like he did a master's. So he ended up doing a master's while he was in Oregon and he would try to do it within a year, but he couldn't get it done. So after that first year, he went back to Germany for a half a year. So we kind of did, I don't know. It was either like we were kind of broken up or I, I don't remember, or we were still together, but we did still talk during that time when he was gone. And then he came back for a half a year. We got back together or were together or whatever. And then I ended up, and then I graduated and then ended up moving with him back to Germany so that he could finish the rest of his program. And so I worked at an international school um, in Stuttgart in that city. And it was a really rough year. Um, It was an incredibly tough year. It was a tough school. It was a tough, like, administration to be working for Um, i also didn't have a lot of money and there was also just like some miscommunication so i was getting paid less than i even thought i was going to going into it so it was really stressful and then i also think that i am a very independent person and i relied really heavily on him especially when i got there and that didn't work Um, he was and i would say from his perspective he was he was actually really great and really good at showing up for me and helping me with german things but i just i think i like lost a lot of self-esteem and felt kind of shitty um and the i didn't have a lot of friends because the other people my age who were working at the school were like all kind of depressed because the school was just not a great um work environment and so it was just like a really tough year overall um, although we did have some good times, we like went to Morocco and we did some little traveling and we um, would visit his mom in Heidelberg a lot, which was really, really, really lovely. I loved his parents. They were really sweet. Um, and his family. But yeah, and then after that year, so here's like an example of how much we did not communicate the same way. Um I ended up being like, you know, I really think I want to go back to Portland. I've just had this like really tough year. I was really, really struggling with um, culture shock and just being like, oh, I miss my people. I miss my food. I miss feeling smart. I miss feeling like I know what I'm doing. I I just want to go home for a little bit. And he was like, cool. So we, we had both agreed we were going to go back to the States, maybe not Portland, but at least somewhere on the West Coast. And so we were both job hunting because he was graduating that spring and I ended up going back. And then after I went back, he was like, oh, by the way, I got into this like really prestigious uh, Ph.D. program in Switzerland. And I was like, that's amazing. I didn't I didn't know you applied. (laughs) He didn't tell. And his his honest to God rationale was, well, but I thought if I didn't get in, then we wouldn't have to have this conversation. And I'm like, that's just not how relationships work. <laughs> so then we ended up trying to do long distance for a year and it just was a big mess and we did not communicate well. Um, it was hard because I was I was in the space of like, OK, I'm not doing teaching anymore because moving back to Portland, I, I wasn't certified. Um, and I had such had such a hard year teaching in Germany that I didn't want to like go through all the rigmarole to get certified for something that felt really not and pay for something that didn't feel good um so i was in this space this is when i went to code school and got into development which was really great um but it was really hard to do that with someone who was on the other side of the ocean not only like like portland i'm on the west coast and then he was in switzerland so it was like i don't even remember It was like 11 hour time difference we could only talk to each other like in the morning and the evening so, uh, it ended pretty shittily. It was not great communication on either of our parts, I think. And he ended up meeting someone else. And so it like really kicked me in the gut and really, really hurt. And he didn't really openly communicate about that either. It was just kind of like one day, like, okay, no more. Bye. And I ended up writing his mom and she's the one who told me that he met someone else. So it was tough. Um, but I do think, well, I should really stick for a minute in that. It was really, really tough. And that was the, that was the, oh, okay. I'm going to, I guess this is
0: done now. Yeah. But just like to be so on completely different pages about like what it was, especially like after four years, um, just goes to show like different communication styles or just generally like your your needs weren't being met
1: i read the book radical acceptance by tara brock which i highly recommend because i would like wake up in the middle of the night and not be able to sleep and i would like i would sleep with that book because i would open and read a passage and be like okay okay i can do this like it's okay um because there was a lot about looking at your deepest fears because for him for me what that relationship meant in a big way was like i'm never gonna find somebody else like after he broke up with me it felt like i guess i didn't quite realize not even just after that but um even a while after it it took me a long time to realize that my self-esteem was really really low um And part of it was, I think, being in a four-year relationship with someone who didn't really fully see or value me. Um, And I think he tried, but again, I I would still say we were just like not a good match for each other in so many ways. And so it was hard for me to feel really seen because we didn't quite have the same values. So so my self-esteem was at an all-time low. And that's when I started just like, i actually did feel like almost suicidal at that point because i was like i just don't know what to do i don't feel lovable um i just don't know how how to move past this and and it's not something to gloss over like i remember vividly that time because it just felt like well what the fuck like what do i do and who am i now and that is not how you should feel coming out of a relationship. If you're in a healthy, emotional place, you should be able to be like, yes, it's painful to separate from someone that I really cared about. Yes, it's hard, but I'm still a worthwhile person and I'm going to find love again. And that's not how I felt. I just felt very like left and abandoned. He and I didn't have closing conversations or resolution. And after four years with someone when they're just like, okay, bye. It felt very, very traumatic. Um, and I do remember just like sitting in my room at this chair in the corner of my room and just having this kind of like, I don't know, having this moment of like, this has to stop. Like, I can't, what is it? Like, you either just feel like shit all the time or you start making choices and you move in the other direction. And it really was like a huge shift because then I decided to... I decided to start like hiking every weekend and getting out and making sure I got sunshine. I started like training and I got <laughs> like the strongest I'd ever been in climbing. I think that's when I started going back to therapy. And then I also, um, I was just reading a bunch of self-help help books and I was putting myself out there and I was dating. So I was really, really like in this good, good place. Um, and then I ended up meeting somebody on a Tinder date who, uh, told me about Hyper, Hyper Island, which is the school that both Sarah and I
0: attended. So Hyper Island is a school with an incredibly weird name, which has a stranger background. It started on a Swedish island, I'm not even joking, in a converted prison, in fact.
1: I always describe it as a creative digital school, kind of like a mixture between design and organizational psychology.
0: And it's kind of neat. Students come from all over the world, sometimes as many as 30 nationalities in one program.
1: We're also working really closely with people and working with a real client. So it's kind of MBA like, I think in that way. Um, And then you have people come in every couple weeks and like poke your team until we call them team development sessions. And they would poke you and give you the tools to work through the conflict. Um, And that that felt like such a sweet serendipity. Like it was almost like after I was really putting in all this time over the like fall and winter, it was like summer. Summer was like really that being in that space of like, so pain, it was like painful to breathe. And I think that my confidence grew more in that year than it has in every other year of my life. And so that was part of what like inspired me to start the EQ school because that school that we went to was very design focused, um, but I want to help other people. Other people be able to have that kind of experience to develop more self awareness, to learn about the things that they do really well um, from other people's perspectives, to learn how to get into healthy conflict and to, to communicate what's going on, to learn how to set boundaries, to respect their own energy. Like those are the kind of things that I want to help other people with, and I feel like I learned a lot of that while I was at Hyper. And so that's why I started the EQ school and I have, I have absolutely been loving it, um, creating this space because we do each workshop is a month long. And so there's enough time for people to get to know each other a little bit and, um, I think it's been helpful a lot during COVID to have this place to go to, to learn about yourself and to communicate and to realize we're all struggling with these things all the time. Um, There's nothing wrong with any of us. And when we begin to notice what gives and takes away our energy, we can actually take action to make sure that we are getting the things that we need in our lives daily. But so many of us like You know, the life is keeping up with the Joneses and just doing what you think you should be doing because other people like it and my friends like it, you know, and to then actually stop doing things like that.
0: Okay. So, how does that decision to be like, okay, I'm actively participating in my life, how does that relate to emotional intelligence or just emotion?
1: The term became popular when the psychologist Daniel. Goleman wrote a book about it in 19, I think like 1993, the mid nineties. And so the four elements of emotional intelligence are self-awareness, self-management, um, social awareness and relationship management. And so I think that when you are good at knowing yourself and knowing what you need, like when you can take the steps to actually manage your own emotions you first have to you have to be able to recognize them because you don't see what's going on within you there's no way you can do anything about it so once you see what's there then the next pe- the next step is the self-management which is being able to like recognize that your feelings aren't everything being able to like reorient when you're in a funk like being able to um being able to self-motivate. And that's that whole idea of like figuring out what gives you energy, what drives you, being able to figure those things out. So people who are able to self-manage are often way more successful just in life in general, because they can get out of those funks. Um, So I think that that's that, when you know and understand yourself, it really helps. And so I think that's where the emotional intelligence fits in, like the half of it is just knowing yourself and knowing what you need. So being able to identify like what my triggers are, and knowing that like, like for an example, an example is like the word lazy is a trigger for me because <laughs> um, that was like a word that my dad used when I was little when he was not happy with me. And I, I don't like it, um, but I can also recognize that if someone calls me lazy, it's not like it's they're not coming from the same place he was and like my reaction is my is from my own experience. And so I can like say, hey, let's use a different word without it becoming a huge thing. Whereas a lot of us if we have a trigger, and we haven't done the work to figure out where it comes from, and how it's ours and our unique experience, we can have a really big reaction and blame other people and not realize like, well, we actually have some work to do around the thing and we could communicate that better. And we could ask somebody to like, hey, maybe don't say that word and say this word instead. You know, like there's, there's so much that we actually can control if we do the work to see what's there. I think, I think I needed to have that, that, that breakup with Daniel and to have that low, low in order to turn around and realize like, whoa, I am not honoring myself and my own needs and, and who I am. And it, and I think the reason I talk so much about the hyper experience was because like, it took, prop that was like, hmm. I guess that was a full year later. It took getting into that to really, that was where I started to, oh, this is why I do these things. Um, But in that experience with Daniel, I had to, I think if things had been fine and it had been just like a fine breakup or whatever, I wouldn't have ever dug in to do this work and to learn about myself, to find what can actually truly make me happy. Um, I do think we need to have these like, we need to have these moments of, what is it? of pain and breaking down to kind of realize what's inside of us. Um, Because it's so easy, we all grow up in this world where we're learning from society how we should be and we are learning from our parents how we should be and as like little tiny people. um, We are taught to self abandon and like step away from our own feelings in order to meet the needs of others and that was all very much the case for me. Like I I had no idea. I remember when I was like 15 or 16 being like, I don't know if I'm a cat person or a dog person because so much of my life was like externally focused and on making other people happy. And I think that that was very much the case in mine and Daniel's relationship. So in small ways, when I would try to say like, here's the thing I need and he didn't get it. Like, I also don't think I communicated it very well. Um, and I also think like, I probably had a lot of mixed feelings about that. And if he didn't get it, then it made me feel bad for asking, which probably made me shittier to him. And, you know, there was just these layers on layers of things that if I hadn't, if I hadn't had that horrible reaction to our breakup, which was a shitty relationship, like I didn't, (laughs) I'm so glad I'm not in it anymore. And I don't think he's a bad person, but uh, you know, if I hadn't had that breakdown, I wouldn't have the opportunity to have the, um, gotten to the place where I am now. And I think it's important that it didn't happen like three months later. <laughs> like it took a while It took, and it takes a while to really dig in and get to know yourself and get to know like, who, how do I work and how, what does make me happy and what does give me energy and what kind of people are draining me and actually making me feel like I I should doubt myself. Like, how do you, you start paying attention to those things? And you learn how to actually like go in the direction that makes you feel empowered and loved and worthy and start learning how to cut those things off, which is why if I were to start dating someone like him now, I could see, oh, our values are just super different. This is not worth trying to, even though like, there's like, you're really funny and that we have some things in common, like it wouldn't be worth it. And I know that now. So I'm glad
0: to have had that do you think about Daniel now?
1: Um, he pops up every once in a while. The nice thing that so he is not, he's not wanted to be in contact, with, but I've probably written him like once a year. Um, and actually I think it was last year. I, no, maybe the last time I wrote him, I realized like there were some really shitty things that I did in our relationship that I never apologized for. And he was like, Oh, thank you. Um, but I've also like here and there I had like memories pop up on my phone and stuff and the first couple years i was like "Fuck that um and then after a while it was like now i'm in a space where like if those memories pop up i can be like yeah that was actually really fun and so i've sent though like sent a thing here and there to him and he'll be like oh yeah that was fun thanks so we're not friends but i think um i think i don't think of him with any ill will anymore which is so much easier on my heart because it I would say it took a solid two years to get over it. It's funny that one of the things that I feel like I've worked on or somehow, I don't know if I've consciously worked on it, but I am i don't feel like loneliness as much anymore. And I think a big part of that was like this narrative that I had around, if you're alone, like that means you haven't done enough to create those connections or those friendships, and there's something wrong with you, and da 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 da. da. Um, and maybe the pandemic gives you that little bit of space of like, well, no one can do anything. So it's a little bit easier. Um, but also, I just feel like I've learned that that's a story. And I've started being like, mm, but actually, I think I'm happy to be home alone on a Friday night. So it's okay.
0: You can find Jenny and learn more about the EQ School at theeqschool.co or on Instagram at the theeqschool, which I'll list in the show notes. And if you have a story to tell about a breakup in whatever form it may be and how you grew from it, you can reach me at thebreakupevolution at gmail.com or on Instagram at thebreakupevolution.